Today on Multiverse News, we have so much news out of Simnicon. We decided to do an episode right here in the middle of the week. We got Hunger Games sequel details. We got Quiet Place prequel details. Super Mario Brothers is still owned in the box office. All that right off this. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name's Matthew Carroll, and today we have a quorum of three, only three. Miss Haley Hobbs couldn't jump off this extra episode, but there's so much content, we decided to do it. Uh, we got J. Scotty St. Clair from Animation Deliberation. How you doing, J. Scotty? I'm fantastic. feel like we are truly embracing the multiversal aspect of this show with the sheer variety of properties we're going to be talking about plus we're recording on a different day plus Haley's not here it's like what what's going on yeah what yeah. universe is this that the show doesn't have Haley on it exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right jay sisson from commute the podcast how you doing jay i'm doing well i mean kind of weird to be here on a different night but yeah it is what yeah. it is we we got to serve the people that's right that's right i'm excited about it when there's enough news doing these like check-ins midweek i i just have been really enjoying making the show with you guys and it's just been a lot of fun so let's do it let's do it yeah let's do it so this week CinemaCon was going on that's a lot of what we found out uh about and that's all paramount is that it's paramount based paramount lionsgate yeah earlier in the week there was like sony and um warner brothers and so all these major studios had their own presentations so we kind of halved it we did an episode kind of at the halfway point and then there was another day and then that was whenever we got like the paramount and um uh, maybe Lionsgate. i don't remember they all ran together after a while. okay so CinemaCon <laughs> is just a general convention like it's not it's not one thing i think it's specifically for theater owners is kind of where it was born from to just like, oh. generate awareness about what's potentially coming down the pike for theater owner theater owners and cinemas to you know have on their screens Sweet, sweet. Well, let's get to all the news that dropped. And first, we have, according to an exclusive from Deadline, uh, this is not a CinemaCon thing, but we'll get to lots of that, (laughs) Vince Vaughn will return to star in a sequel to 2004's hit comedy Dodgeball. The film is currently in very early development at 20th Century Fox. At this point, there is no certainty on who else may join Vaughn from the original cast or who will direct. Does a follow-up to the true underdog story 20 years later excite us, or does it sound like something we'd rather dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge to avoid? (laughs) If you went to high school in the early to mid-2000s like I did, You have to understand that one in about every seven jokes made by anybody was a dodgeball reference. So like (laughs) this movie was just like very deeply ingrained in our culture. Like the, you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, like that type of stuff. I mean, I probably heard that at least five, six times a day uh, in the year 2004. So, you know, this is a movie that if you weren't there for it, you probably haven't seen it in the years since, but mm-hmm. it, if you were there for it, I think this is a movie that you do get, get excited about. I mean, do you guys agree? I do agree. I definitely agree with the concept. I, I think I am a little, I think I'm slightly older than you guys. And I saw this movie and liked it, but I wasn't at the age where this was like the movie for us. So mm-hmm. we like, I, I liked it a lot. And I, I still, I, there are a lot of lines that were definitely quotable. The, honestly, the one that, uh, Jay Scotty wrote into the script there. <laughs> the dodge, <laughs> duck, dip, dive, du- uh, and dodge uh, is one of my favorites. 
so thank you. Thank you for that, Scoots. Um, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> but, um, but like, I, I, lo- I love the movie, but I, it wasn't that movie from my generation. Right? By that, I mean like the four years I'm older than you guys or whatever. <laughs> mm. Well, I am very much of that generation. I was a freshman when Dodgeball came out, and it is one of the most quotable movies for me. So my initial reactions are to quote the original movie. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. And is this movie necessary? <laughs> is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? No, but it's sterile and I like the way it tastes. So. <laughs> uh, but, you know, my, my big hang up on this one is like just having Vince Vaughn attached so far. If you don't bring Ben Stiller back, like what's even the point? Like you really mm. have to bring all of these cast members back for it to be worthwhile in my estimation. But uh, I am very excited to see how it shakes out and it could be you know one of the rare exceptions where revisiting a comedy sequel years down the road is a wonderful thing this movie's kind of been rumored for a long time too like for almost 10 years there's been rumors about this movie and all of the former cast members get asked about it all the time and all of them are always saying things like yeah i'd be down i guess if somebody gave me a call so this was inevitable and uh i don't know i'm kind of excited to see it all start to come together i think it'll be fun yeah, mm-hmm. I think I feel like, like you said, Vince Vaughn being attached is very important, but him being attached hopefully will coalesce the rest of them. You know what I mean? You got to have that Nick Fury to bring the Avengers back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we got uh, at CinemaCon, uh, Lionsgate released the first trailer for the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. The film, based on the author Susan Collins' prequel novel and starring Tom Blythe, Rachel Ziegler, Peter Dinklage, Jason Schwartzman, and Viola Davis currently has a release date of November 17th, 2023. Is it too late for an origin story set in the world of the Hunger Games, or are the odds ever in this franchise's favor? Yeah, going right off the word odds there, this is, this is an odd one for me. Um, I watched this trailer, and you know, I, I think the thing that stood out for me was the cast. It's it's a pretty star-studded cast. Like I think Jason mm-hmm. Schwartzman is a dead ringer for like a young young Stanley Tucci. Right. Viola Davis being attached like that lends a lot of credence to it. Um, I watched the Hunger Game movies and I had an interesting interaction with those. I really loved that first 2012 film because it was like the first time that watching a movie kind of inspired me to go seek out the books, and I ended up reading all three books and really enjoying the books. But in terms of the films, I kind of felt like it was diminishing returns. Like they just got kind of like worse and worse and i got a little less interested as it as it went along there so i kind of wonder like is the audience really there for this movie should they have waited a little bit longer until the appetite has grown a little bit for hunger games Hmm. but you know i might i might not be cued in maybe people and and younger audiences are really looking forward to going back to the world of uh Panem and the Hunger Games, but uh, I just don't know about this one. Yeah, not every franchise lends itself to a prequel. You have to time it right, and you have to capture the things that drew people into the franchise in the first place. And to me, it does seem like the Hunger Games drew a lot of people in when it first came out because of Katniss, because of Jennifer Lawrence, because of the kind of love triangle type story that was going on. Everybody was really sucked into that at the time. So does the prequel do enough to pull people who were originally attracted to the franchise back in. 
I don't really know. I do think the trailer was good. I think it was really intriguing. It showed just enough to, I think, interest people who maybe are on the outside looking into this franchise. But I don't know if it's going to do enough. We'll have to wait till like a full trailer. This was just a teaser. But I think um, that'll kind of show us a little bit more of does this have the momentum to pull that fan base back together? Because like you said, Mm -hmm. Jay Scotty, those last few movies were not super well received. A lot of people Mm -hmm. were very lackluster on the ending, did did not feel like the franchise really came to a a really satisfying conclusion on the big screen. Yeah, I I guess I felt that way, but mostly because I was Team Gale. (laughs) So that was the other kid, right? Peter and Gale? Was it Galen? I I think it's Gale. Maybe. This is why we need Haley. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> when do you do who reads liam, Sen- liam hensworth's character at the very least yeah right? yeah 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 yeah. um gail it's gail i know okay it. but it is it, it's it's <laughs> forgive me tr- traditionally feminine name so I, I don't i don't blame you for being like gail really uh but <laughs> but no yeah it's, it's pete and gail and like okay. I, I was i was totally team gail and so I, I found it very found it very unsatisfying and it's weird because i really do feel that way i know it sounded like a joke but i really felt that way at the end i was like but I felt the same way with the uh, uh, again Twilight movies. I think I, I I don't know why, but I always like the guy who's like a little more like a natural fit, you know? Like like mm. they they go well together. They're close. They they like care about each other. But the lady always wants the like you know guy who's boy. like yeah the bad boy. And Peter's <laughs> such a weird bad boy. He's like he's a bad boy in that sense. They're always the bad boy in the sense that like. I only kind of trust them. You know what I mean? Mm. Like in the, in these, these franchises, it's like, <laughs> and that's the one they end up with. And I'm like, but I, that's, that's a bad treat. Like, stop. <laughs> stop. I, Peter wasn't a bad boy by choice. He was like brainwashed and traumatized into becoming a bad boy. I feel like Gale was more of the natural bad boy from what I recall with some of his like war tactics and uh, espionage. I, I agree. Uh, Peter, the, <laughs> what I mean by bad boy is like, Peter was like literally like, there was a lot of like que- her. She questioned a lot whether Peter was actually on her side or whether he sure. was playing the game. You know, sure. That and I was like, fair. like I was like, yeah, you don't trust him. You just don't trust him. And then like, but in the end, he like she fell for him after he was all traumatized and like like you said, like brainwashed. And anyway, so now we're just talking about the Hunger Games. We're no longer talking about the news. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I uh, I don't want to be too negative on this one, but I do have to kind of ask like, how did given that we've all spent time in the, the American Southeast here, what did we think about Rachel's Rachel Zegler's accent there? Cause it was not doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying a little bit too hard, you know, to, uh, to capture that. Mm. It's like, it's either there or it's not, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the future, you know, <laughs> accents drift into, you know, cartoonishly represented <laughs> versions. Have you guys heard that like thing where they say that like, Southern is the most like British or whatever. Yeah. And like yeah. you slow down British people's speech. It sounds almost just like Southern um, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Also during CinemaCon, John Krasinski unveiled the first look at his upcoming A Quiet Place spinoff starring Lupita Nyong'o, Joseph Quinn, Alex Wolfe, Jaiman Hansu, and Dennis O'Hare. A Quiet Place Day One is currently set to release on March 8th, 2024, and is an origin story for the alien invasion that forms the backdrop for this universe. Sound off, but quietly. What's your anticipation level for another entry into this sci-fi horror franchise? 
Yeah, this is another one that I'm a little of two minds on. They've got incredible talent both behind the camera and in front of the camera with that, with John Krasinski returning. I think they got the director from uh, Pig with uh, Nicolas Cage from a couple years back. That was excellent. But then, yeah, Lupita Nyong'o, um, Alex mm. Wolf especially kind of stands out to me. And Jaiman Hansu, I, it sounds like he's going to be the connective tissue here. He was in A Quiet Place Part 2. We got to see him um, on that island and, you know, I won't spoil exactly what went down with this character there, but I'm a little torn because it's kind of like the conceit of this franchise is that it was so different. Like it, uh, from what I heard about this first look is that uh, we saw footage of Lupito Nyong'o's character in New York, like day one when everything is going down and people don't understand that they're supposed to be quiet around these aliens yet. So as it's explaining its origins, I kind of feel like it's betraying what made it so unique. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm fascinated to learn like how this, world got set up and how we exactly we landed where we did with the two films that I like so much but I guess I'm just a little concerned that maybe they'll lose something by becoming just another like high octane alien invasion mm. and lean more into the sci-fi and a little further away from the horror and it's like one of the great things about those first two films is that we got to focus on a deaf character and like see things from her perspective and and her disability kind of ended up being what allowed her to defeat these aliens so it's, you know, outside of John, Jaiman Hansu, like, are any of these characters going to make it out? It's always kind of the issue when you do a prequel. Sometimes you know the fate of certain characters and other ones, like, you kind of suspect that they might be cannon fodder. Mm. Yeah, you said it perfectly, Jay Scotty. I'm, I'm a little concerned with the, the prequel here because of what made the first one special was really not knowing and having to figure it out as you went as the audience and trying to kind of build the pieces as you went. And now we're going back and we know how these beings got to earth. We know that the quietness of it all has to be kind of this important factor. We know the characters don't know that, but we know that. And so the fun of an invasion film is trying to figure out the invasion while it's happening. Uh, In this case, we kind of already have that information, but Mm. as with any prequel, if you can make the audience care about the characters they'll be in. Um, I think John Krasinski has proven that he has a vision for this universe, that um, the expansion of it is in good hands. So I'm definitely open-minded to it, but I have those very same concerns that you do about it. Mm. You know, dramatic tension is one thing, and it's a good, it can be a really good thing when the audience knows something the character doesn't. Mm-hmm. But in the ca- in a case like this, where you're talking about a whole film where all the characters don't know the thing that they need to do to survive, I feel like it could be really frustrating <laughs> to like watch all these characters just making what you know is a terrible decision, but they just don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, obviously, that will be a big piece of the movie is figuring that out and like adapting. But depending on how deep in the movie that happens, I could see that being a terrible choice. Um, to go back to day one or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know. Depends. I, I, I'm so torn. Did you guys ever watch Wa- uh, Fear the Walking Dead? Uh, a little bit of it. I, I don't think I kept up with it to the end because it had yeah. multiple seasons, didn't it? Yeah, it had like four or five, actually. Yeah, I think I watched um, maybe one. I think I watched like three or something yeah. like that. But the thing that frustrated me about it is it was like, we're going to show how it all began. Because really in... In Walking Dead, you skip like six weeks ahead or whatever. He's like in the hospital, and you just skip the whole beginning. It's right. just the world is the world is gone. So I was like, they're gonna do it. We're gonna see the world. We're gonna see society fall. That sounds amazing. And then they had that first episode 
where like everyone they sort of established the idea of the zombie virus is coming and then they jump forward six weeks and i was like what the what's going on <laughs> like i think if they're gonna do this and they're gonna show us like they did it in in, in quiet place part two where they went back and showed us their day one krasinski's right. day one if they're gonna do that like do it like go show me day one like really show stay in day one i really like if they're gonna do it and decide to do something different and not try to keep that same vibe like you're talking about, Jay Scotty, like mm-hmm. I wanna I want them to go all in and be interesting and like be the big film about the fall of society and what happens, like what choices are being made on like a governmental level that are like, you know, bad for the people or like make some interesting, I don't know, interesting observations about humanity in the fall of society. That sounds great. Um I really wanted Fear of the Walking Dead to do that. They did not. It was very well, upsetting. Last of Us kind of did that for you, though. No, um, no, same thing. I mean, oh, okay. like, like yes, yes, but it's also Last of Us. Uh, you you see one big night, and then twenty years later, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's like it's the same thing. We don't. It's like the, uh, and I think it's because when you're in a zombie apocalypse or or a alien apocalypse, whatever, uh, it's it's supposed to be society is gone. You have to like hide in fields and you know bunkers and things to get away from society um and when you uh and and like i don't know it's almost like you're setting up a movie you're setting up a tv show or a movie and the sets are supposed to be like you know no one's there like society's gone and it's like they don't take the time to like it's almost like what makes a movie inexpensive sometimes i think so they like to jump to that part or something i don't sure i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm being overly pessimistic uh one movie that did it well, the whole movie was Cloverfield. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. That I was, was just all I was going to bring fall. that up. I was going to say, yeah. imagine watching Cloverfield, but you know, like all the information already about like why the monster got there and like how, you know, it's yeah. like, it, so the fun of Cloverfield was like not knowing anything and watching it unfold. I'm not saying it quite this, this film has to be that, but it's just like, it's making me think about why that, it, why invasion films are fun. Like, why do we like movies like that? You know? Mm. And a lot of it is watching it kind of build as it goes. So a prequel yeah. is a little tricky. It doesn't mean it can't be done, but it's just, it's got some hurdles to jump. Anytime we know more or less than the character, it takes us out of the moment, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And that can be a good thing. Like no, not knowing something the character knows can be Ocean's Eleven. Or knowing something the character uh, doesn't know can be that great dramatic irony. But like... Either way, it makes it less rewatchable a lot of times because you're just not in the moment with the character, like experiencing what they're experiencing. It's, the emotional connection is severed a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this one turns out. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm down though. I like the first two. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, even even with my concerns, I'm I'm definitely going in with an open mind and and I'm optimistic. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Uh, up next, more from CinemaCon. Paramount and Tom Cruise debuted a new trailer and 20 minutes of footage of the upcoming Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. What a name. Uh, (laughs) The seventh entry in the action franchise starring Tom Cruise and Haley Effin Atwell is set to hit theaters on July 12th, 2023, and Part 2 is expected to be released on June 28th, 2024. What do you think about the stunt they pulled... Do you choose to accept it? <laughs> this is why Jay Scotty writes the outlines because every single <laughs> one of these is so good. Uh, Tom Cruise has been and is now 
the greatest action star in the world. I mean, and if you don't believe me, go watch any of the recent Mission Impossibles. That man is insane. Like I saw a video on Instagram or something of him just driving a motorcycle off a ramp, like over into like a mountain uh, or something. And then just a parachute shot out and it's him. It's just him doing Tom Cruise things. Uh, the hanging on to the jet scene and mission impossible, mm. like whichever one that was, I lose track Rumination. of at this point, <laughs> but <laughs> mission impossible is <laughs> awesome. Like I don't even care. Uh, but it's, uh, it's great. They're, they're so fun to see in the theaters and um, Tom Cruise is such a fascinating person and so good in these roles. So um, I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there with my popcorn, like ready to go. These are entertainment. This is entertainment cinema at its finest. Mm. Yeah. When it comes to Mission Impossible, I'm all in. In terms of the trailer they showed, the stunt that they pulled, I find myself a little bit frustrated because after reading this ar- article, I scoured YouTube. I was like, where is this new trailer? And they have not released that trailer to the public. So in that sense, I'm like, come Mm. on, I want to see it. It's not fair. (laughs) But, you know, uh, everything Jay said, yeah, getting to see that look at the stunt um, on the IMAX screen right before Avatar The Way of Water, like just the way it got my adrenaline going. And there's a reason that people, you know, came out in droves for Top Gun Maverick, like Tom Cruise is a star. And yeah, having the talent of Haley Atwell join the fray is awesome does make me a little concerned for Rebecca Ferguson's character, Ilsa Faust. She's been a favorite of mine since she showed up. I don't want her to betray Ethan Hunt or to die. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Uh, And the fact that this, uh, the release date actually got moved up two days. So we get it that much sooner. Not a, Mm. not a lot sooner, but a little bit sooner. I'll take a little bit sooner. We better get that Bingers assemble started. We better get started. That's right. (laughs) It's two less days. That's two less days. We've got to plan. Um, my thoughts on this are the, the main, my main takeaway from this. I, I agree with everything y'all are saying. I love this franchise. It's only gotten better almost with every successive outing. But the thing that excites me most is it's a two-parter. I, mm-hmm. I think it's, it does yeah. terrible things for the name. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That's a terrible name. They maybe should have made it. <laughs> I don't know. Something. But like the fact that it's a two-parter... One of my biggest frustrations with the franchise, and I, I think when we do this on Avengers Assemble, we will probably like get a better sense of this. But I kind of feel like all of these movies feel very disconnected, like they don't feel sure. very. I don't feel like the story picks up and continues. I don't. I like th- you can watch any of them and not have seen the previous one. They're all pretty modular. Sure. Um, and one of the reasons, I mean, we're here on multiverse news because I love a continuous universe. I love universes. I love things that connect and have deep history for the characters. And they've done a little bit of that with the franchise, certain characters coming back from three movies ago, stuff like here and there, but it's very on the, on the edges, but with Mm -hmm. a direct sequel like this, I feel like they could do some really cool things with like connection and really giving us a, knowing the second part is coming allows you to do things like, you know, uh, empire strikes back and infinity war where you have these like endings where you're like, Ooh, I have to see the next one. You know, Mm -hmm. like this isn't just like, Oh, I hope they do another one of those in four years. It's just going to be an ending knowing that another one is coming. And I, that's always a lot of fun. Up next, this is crazy, man. Super Mario Brothers remained number one in its fourth week of release and officially passed a total global gross of $1 billion, uh, making it one of the five post-pandemic films to do so and the first of 2023. As it continues to smash, like what you did there, Scotty, records and defy expectations, is there any end in sight for this international juggernaut? 
as it stands right now, it doesn't seem like there is an end in sight. It just opened in Japan, smashed all the Japanese box office records there in terms of animated releases. So I knew this film was going to be big and I was excited for it. And everybody, you know, Mario and Nintendo are household names, but I don't think anyone really could have predicted what an absolute juggernaut this series has been. And all this success just, you know, continues to make me excited about the possibility of sequels and and spinoffs. I want to see all my favorite Nintendo characters. I want to see Link, Zelda, Metroid, Kirby. I, I want this all to lead into a potential Smash Brothers universe and then we'll get that connected oh, universe man. that you're itching for so bad but yeah this this movie continues to astound and i'm i it's awesome to be able to ce- celebrate such a success story here I, lo- I love the idea of a smash brothers event being like their version of what the avengers are yeah <laughs> like smash brothers or and then uh, and then eventually of course uh mario kart movie that like <laughs> has all those same characters i i haven't seen the movie yet still uh okay. but i got to my house my mom's house today to help out a little bit and my niece yelled have you heard peaches yet um and i and i hadn't but i'd heard about it and jack black sings a song called peaches and yes. so she played it on the alexa she's like and so, and she hasn't even seen the movie yet. So it's like uh, really penetrating the culture of like you know, kids are watching, uh, or list even listening to the song from it who don't even know the movie. So uh, yeah, I I think this is doing really well. And can we officially say it's the year of the video game adaptation? For sure. Yeah, yeah works for me. This I think uh, it's pretty big year for it. This universe absolutely will culminate in a crossover, and it will expand. I mean, the, this just made a billion dollars. Like the, yeah. that, that will happen. You know, you're going to start to see the expansion of the Nintendo universe, and you know, business is booming. I mean, I took my kids to see it when it first came out, and every, I'm not kidding. Every single day when I drive them to school, they go, "Hey, is the is the Super Mario Brothers movie out yet? Like, can we watch it at home?" <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's still in the theater, still in the theater. Okay, well, can you tell us when it comes out? We want to watch it again. <laughs> like, I mean, it's this is going to be something that kids are going to grow up on. They're going to continue to see every movie in the theaters. There's going to be Luigi movies. There's going to be Donkey Kong movies. Like, just get ready for it. It's it's coming. Mm-hmm. I, I just looked it up, and in its fourth week, it is the ninth highest grossing animated movie of all time in week four. <laughs> and the next uh, five on the list are within a hundred thousand dollars of it. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be in the top five highest grossing, uh, you know, animated movies of all time. That's, that's pretty big deal. Yeah. And above that, two of the spots are taken by frozen. That doesn't count. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, next we got the lightning round. Our favorite part, everybody, where I'm going to read these, uh, little, uh, shorter snippets of stories. And, uh, you guys, uh, J and J, (laughs) <laughs> Jay and Jay Scotty, uh, you guys are going to use your names to buzz in, and only one person gets to respond to each story, except we each get one response. So save your response wisely. Here we go. <laughs> A teaser trailer for the upcoming season of Black Mirror has been released. It will feature Selma Hayek, Aaron Paul, Kate Mara, Michael Sarah. And will release in June of this year. Jay, I love Black Mirror, um, but everybody that watches Black Mirror says the same thing. The episodes are very pick and choose. Some of them you love. I think if you take the top, I would take the top like five or six 
Black Mirror episodes and put them up against any top five episodes of any show uh, in terms of what they can accomplish, the messages that they can push out. I mean, these are incredible works of art, but then you've got other episodes that just either just don't make sense or they just don't quite do it for you. They just don't get there. And so last season of Black Mirror, I wasn't crazy about it. I felt like it was their weakest season. Uh, I'm always hopeful going into it because I do like the fact that it is an anthology series, but with an anthology series, you have this problem where you have to buy into that one episode. And if it misses it, you're probably not coming back to it again. So to see it kind of come together, I'm I'm always going to have an open mind because some of the episodes I've seen have stuck with me more than maybe any other show, but it's going to be, it's going to be some cautious optimism here. Matt for response. Uh, I I love the fact that you look at this list of names. It's an amazing list of names. I, I actually, I think I've only seen the first two seasons of Black Mirror. I think the third season when they really started getting star power, I, for some reason I fell off. But immediately standing out to me was uh, Michael Sarah. I don't know. They always have those sort of quirky ones that just feel like they're, so, they're, they're, they're sort of funny and quirky and like sort of like how society works in the future. It's not so dark, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll cast Michael Sarah against type there, but like, it just feels like reading this list just, uh, you know, and, and like all of these people have been in things that are sort of like dark future things, except for maybe Selma Hayek. Uh, I, I like, I read Kate Mara and I immediately think of like house of cards and her being that reporter and like, uh, like the sort of darkness of the politic political stuff. And then like, uh, Aaron Paul was recently in the most recent season of Westworld, and it just makes mm-hmm. me feel like these people are sort of like passionate about these kinds of stories, you know. And it just makes me feel like, I don't know. It's just like even just reading the cast list made me excited for this. So I don't know. Uh, up next, we have at CinemaCon, Christopher Nolan showcased footage from his upcoming film Oppenheimer, following the American physicist who developed the atomic bomb. The July 21st release will feature Cillian Murphy, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, Rami Malek, Jack Quaid, and Gary Oldman. Scotty. Go for it. Again, just look at that cast. Wow. Star-studded. Yeah. Christopher Nolan is one of my favorite filmmakers working. Uh, You know, Tenet was kind of the first time he really experienced like mixed reception, but I honestly really liked Tenet. And what really stuck out to me um, in this article was the way he spoke about Oppenheimer. And it's all true. Like he said something to the effect, like no one in the world is that has ever existed has been as important as Oppenheimer. He changed the face of this world and Mm. the society for better and for worse. And that just knowing that he's got that level of respect for for the man, it's I'm I'm really excited to see this one. Even like Dunkirk, which you know I, I called out Tenet as being the one with mixed reception, but I do recall Dunkirk was not for everybody. But I really like when Christopher Nolan digs into a subject matter that he's really passionate about, and I'm super excited to catch this one on the biggest screen possible. Yeah, you, that I'm not allowed to respond. But I am, so I'm going to use my response to just (laughs) simply point out, and maybe I'll regret this in the future, I probably will, but I have to point out that this movie releases on the same day as Barbie, so we're about to have a box office showdown of epic proportions (laughs) in July. But I'm with you, I love Nolan, Uh, I love everything he does, I'm I'm all in on anything he puts out. This kin is a destroyer of worlds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Barbie and Oppenheimer, similar... 
similar like historical value like cinema's yeah. back baby <laughs> cinema's <Yeah>. back <laughs> transformers rise of the beast has dropped its first trailer and will hit theaters on june 9th scotty this has been one of those franchises i love that first film from all the way back in 2007 and the rest of them really haven't done it for me with the exception of bumblebee i love bumblebee so the fact that this one is seemingly a little more connected to Bumblebee and it's not being directed by Michael Bay. They're bringing in Stephen Capel Jr. And it's set in 1994. I'm again, I'm cautiously optimistic because I've been burned by these movies so many times. They always release these trailers that look pretty cool and pretty epic. And Beast Wars is like the characters, the, the Maximals like Beast Wars. That was my introduction to Transformers. Like that cartoon series came out in the mid nineties, early mid nineties. And it was like one of the first computer generated, you know, cartoons and, I had the toys. I, I watched the show. I really loved it. But I, I don't, like I said, I've just been burned by the series so many times. The action looks incredible. It looks like for the first time we're going to see like just a massive number of Autobots, Decepticons, Predacons, and Maximals on the battlefield at the same time. So could be really epic, but these movies have a tendency just to get bogged down with just over stuff and, and bloated and they lose my attention. So we'll see how this one pans out. Well, speaking of transformers, transformers one executive produced by Steven Spielberg will be an animated origin story featuring voices like Chris Hemsworth, Brian Tyree, Henry, Scarlett Johansson, Keegan, Michael Key, John Hamm, and Lawrence Fishburne. This film will release in July of next year. Scotty. Yeah. So again, like, you know, I know for most people, the Transformers have their origins in the animated series. And I think this is the first time we're having an animated movie in theaters since the 1985 film. Wow. And even with the villain that's, uh, oh, actually, you know, I'm getting it confused with Rise of the Beast thinking of Unicron. But, uh, you know, again, looking at this cast, knowing that it's going back to its origins in a sense, I think it's got a really good cast. Uh, I think Chris Hemsworth is an interesting choice, so I don't uh, know if I've heard him do too much voice acting, but he's uh, he always delivers in everything I've seen him in, so I'll uh, I'll be checking this one out as a fan of animated content. Mm, like it, like it. Uh, an R-rated live-action slash animation hybrid series about Winnie the Pooh character Christopher Robin is in development. The official description reads... Christopher Robin is a disillusioned New Yorker navigating the, his quarter-life crisis with the help of the weird talking animals who live beyond a drug-induced portal outside his derelict apartment complex, The Hundred Acres. Matt! <laughs> this is, uh, you know, we just had the other Winnie the Pooh like uh, horror movie. Blood and Honey. Uh, Blood and Honey, yep. that's right. Um, my, I came out. I, I was practicing the script, and my niece walked in. She's like, "Oh, is that about that Winnie the Pooh horror movie?" Ugh. She's like, "It looks terrible." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. It seems real scary." And she's twelve. She's like, "No, I just mean the costumes look terrible." And I was like, "Oh no, you like you 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 weren't worried about the terrible scariness." Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> lightning round. Uh, this seems great to me. It reminds me of like I don't know. I hope in, in its best. Uh, form i feel like this would be like like a chuck polinick story uh mixed with like roger rabbit like i want like it's going to be like these animated characters like 
in mixed with live action, but it's like about a, like a disillusioned adult New Yorker, you know, like I feel like that very much has that sort of, um, I don't know, anti-societal vibes of like, you know, uh, what it means to be the, to be a, to escape into the hundred acre wood or whatever. Like I feel, mm. I feel like this is going to be really, really interesting. Um, but I may be reading too much into it. I'll use my rebuttal for this one. I'll be quick, but it's yeah. As soon as Winnie the Pooh entered public domain, it's like, how, how can we take this childhood innocent character and just like drag him through the mud? But hearing the, the concept, it kind of makes me think of, I don't know if you guys watched the series on FX Wilfred with Elijah Wood. Mm, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So if it embraces a tone like that, I could actually see myself like potentially enjoying this. If it has something to say about like, mental health it doesn't sound like it's going to do it in a super tactful way it's going to lean more into like the the dark comedy but if there's a chance to be a little more poignant there um again i'll go in with an open mind Mm, i dig it i dig it all right ridley scott's long anticipated gladiator sequel appears to have secured connie nielsen who starred in the first film and stranger things star joseph quinn is in negotiations to play emperor caracalla they join Paul Mescal, Barry Keown, and Denzel Washington. Are you not entertained? I didn't say Jay, sorry. Uh, this <laughs> this movie is going to be awesome. I don't even care. The first Gladiator was awesome, and it was a cultural milestone. And even if you say you didn't like it, you did, so stop. <laughs> and uh, if you go back and rewatch it, I think it holds up to now. I think it's just as... Um, it's just as like the storytelling is great. The acting is great. Um, obviously not having Russell Crowe in it is, is what it is. I mean, his character, it wouldn't make sense for him to be there. Uh, but the, the, I trust the vision here. I mean, um, and uh, yeah, give a shout out for Joseph Quinn. He's going to be in quiet place part one, and he's going to be in this film. I mean, that guy's oh. going to be getting all the work uh, going forward after uh, portraying Eddie Munson and stranger things. That's just uh, going to take him to the moon. Oh, I didn't realize that's who that was. That's cool. That is very cool. On the April 28th episode of Brother, the Brotherly Love podcast, Matthew Lawrence opened up about his own experience with sexual harassment in Hollywood. The actor said he was dropped by his agency after refusing to take his clothes off for an award-winning director when he was up for a Marvel role. Yeah, Scotty. Yeah, this one, uh, my immediate reaction was like, what Marvel director could he possibly be talking about? But then mm. I thought, you know, think about the time when he was sort of at the height of his popularity. And chances are this isn't a Marvel Studios director we're talking about. This was probably back in the Fox X-Men days. And I think we probably mm. all know who the director he's talking about. But um, I did read the article and I appreciated how he acknowledge you know as much as we love these properties like hollywood does have a, a cd underbelly and the me too movement you know it, it it doesn't just affect women men have been affected as well and the fact that he was willing to go on record and shine some light on there i think takes incredible bravery and um you know hopefully that will encourage more voices to to speak out and make things right absolutely Adam McKay will reteam with Netflix after 2021's don't look up for Average Height, Average Build, a comedy starring Robert Pattinson as a serial killer seeking to influence American politicians to make murder easier. <laughs> Amy Adams co-stars as a lobbyist who forms a unique connection with the murderer. Matt, 
You know, let's get jump on it. I think this sounds fascinating, and I love Don't Look Up. It's great. It's it's you know yeah. a very obvious uh, allegory that has a lot of meaning and a lot of like social value to it, but is funny and fun to watch and interesting characters and well done. Um, I, I I love that, and I'm hoping what they mean is not like some sort of like he's a murderer on the side and he's lobbying you know, certain things. I want him to be a murderer just straight up lobbying to make murdering easier because <laughs> like in the open, like I think murdering should be, wh- where is our freedom without murdering others? Like, cause that's, that's so dead on the nose of a lot of the sort of policies that like, you know, in politics today we face <laughs> and like, it's so, I think this is perfect. It sounds really, really funny and really, really good. I've used my rebuttal, but I have to break protocol here. I'll be real quick. I love <laughs> Adam McKay's body of work, but my real yeah. hope for this one is that Robert Pattinson followed in Christian Bale's footsteps by portraying Batman. I'm hoping he kind of does a like spiritual successor to American Psycho, where we get to see like Ooh. a guy just like Patrick Bateman basically standing before Congress trying to like make his life easier, <laughs> even though it's already so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Good call. Um and he also went on to do an Adam McKay movie uh, with Big Short. Oh, and also Vice. Oh, yes, you're right. Oh, yeah. he was so good in Vice. Um, Look at yeah, it yeah. all coming together. Yeah. yeah. This is what you come things. here for. <laughs> <laughs> all this hard-hitting analysis. <laughs> <laughs> the hard-hitting analysis of sometimes realizing p- other people were in a certain movies. <laughs> <laughs> It's just that deep analysis. This is like you that look game. For. What's the game like? Uh, six degrees of uh, Kevin of, Bacon. Uh, yeah, where you like yeah. try to connect two actors by movies that they were in. Like, yeah, man, it's good stuff. Before we head out, we should talk about our Spotify poll this week. Uh, Spotify really has this neat feature where, since we're hosted on Spotify right now, uh, we can actually put a poll right there on Spotify. So, what? How? How what was the interaction over on Spotify this week? Well, we asked the question, do you like the idea of Adam Driver for Reed Richards? And, you know, I think I was on team no, and I think Haley was on team no, and you guys were on team yes. And, um, yeah, it seems like the listeners agree with me because 42% (laughs) of them said yes, and 58% of them said no. Now, Mm. I, I should say that there is, at the moment of this recording, there is one day and three hours left. Now, when you listen to this, there will be less than that. But there is still time to make your voice heard, I would Ooh. imagine, if uh, this is something that is uh, making you, you know, get riled up right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Go over to Spotify <laughs> for that episode and still vote. Yeah, I set the parameters for a six days of voting because, you know, we, we normally record on Tuesdays, but we're here early. So you're right. There's still a chance to affect the poll, everybody. Um, all right. Well, guys, we appreciate you so much for hanging out with us. We'll be back soon. Uh, let's hear where you guys... Uh, can be found online. Jay Sisson. Uh, yeah, I am the co-host of Commute the Podcast, which is a weekly show where we uh, try to teach you three interesting things in 20 minutes. We come out on Monday mornings. So when you're listening to this, we have a new episode up. So come hang out with us wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review and come learn something new on your way to work or on your way to at the gym or in the subway or where, however you get to where you're going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As for me, if your ears perked up at any of the animated content we talked about on this show, then Animation Deliberation might be the show for you. We are the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. So wherever you get your podcast, please check us out over there. Awesome. 
Well, uh, keep following us along here on Multiverse News. And uh, check out thestrandedpanda.com for all the other Stranded Panda podcasts. Uh, we're going to be covering Guardians of the Galaxy on Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast this week. Uh, that is very exciting. Uh, we've been we've been in a big like tr- drought of content, and I'm very excited to finally have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three coming out. Early reviews are looking good too. They're the mm. vast majority of the early reactions are very positive. Oh, good. I haven't I have not heard that, but I'm glad to hear it. Um, and I am I have no doubt. We just watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two last night for our Patreon, and like man. It is so good. It's just so good. <laughs> just such a good movie. Um, and it was the more divisive one, but it's just so good. All right, guys. We'll be back soon with Multiverse News. Peace. Later. <laughs>